The year is 1964, and the world is in turmoil. Still reeling from the aftershocks of the Second World War, and with the United States and Soviet Union deeply engaged in their standoff, nuclear tensions are at an all-time high. In this climate, a rookie CIA operative codenamed Naked Snake is sent on a mission deep into the Soviet jungles to recover a defecting Soviet rocket scientist named Dr. Nikolai Sokolov, who has been secretly developing the advanced bipedal and nuclear-equipped tank known only as Shagohod. Things go smoothly at first as Snake finds Sokolov, but before he can extract the scientist, Snake is interrupted by his mentor and the head of the legendary Cobra unit, The Boss. The boss announces that she is defecting to the USSR and joining up with the grotesque Colonel Volgan. The boss brutally dominates Snake in a CQC encounter before tossing his nearly lifeless body off a bridge and leaving him to die. Volgan and the Cobra unit escape with Sokolov, the Shagohod Data, and two nuclear shells, one of which Volgan detonates to cover their tracks. Snake somehow survives and is recovered via the Fulton recovery device, only to come back home and be shipped right out again for Operation Snake Eater. That's right, it's the very first Metal Gear in the chronology. And that means this week we are talking about Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, and the so-called virtuous mission. So pull up a chair, sit back, and pop open a box of Calorie Mate. And please enjoy the very first episode of Shadow Moses Island Radio, Operation Snake Eater. My name is Plisk Iroquois Pliskin, Lieutenant Junior Grade. Ryden. Unlike you, I have no name. I know I'm going to help. It's been a long wait, Solid Snake. Welcome to Shadow Moses Island Radio, a tactical espionage podcast covering the Metal Gear Solid game series. Ta-da! Are you Foxhound? There's room for only one snake and one big boss. Come on, time to go. You'll never escape the Lali Lulelo. So many dead, and they all die trusting you! What are you talking about? Okay, let's go. Gentlemen, this is Major Zero. Your code name for this mission, Kevin, will be... Evan, your code name for this mission will be Good luck. Alright, so I'm Kevin, and I'm here with my co-host Evan. What a thrill it is to be here. Yeah, you might get our names mixed up because Kevin, Evan. everybody else seems to. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, how many times have you been called Kevin in your life? Um, more times than I can count. Same, I've been called Evan, so there you go. Anyway, we're talking Metal Gear Solid 3 today. And we're going to focus on the first important part of the game. Well, the first block of the game. The Act Virtuous one. Mission. Yes. yes, Act 1. The virtuous Mission. So as you virtual heard... Mission. Yeah. The head of the CIA has finally given us the green light for the Virtuous Mission. Virtual Mission? 
No, the virtuous mission. It's the virtual mission, as you heard in our little beginning segment there. Um, so Snake is a, as we were just talking off the pod, he is not a rookie, but he is, this is his first mission with the CIA. And uh, you just mentioned something uh, about the first world's first Halo jump. Yes, um, as our hero Snake is inserted into uh, the Siarno something, it's like Siarnograd, Siarnovich. It's a remote oh, region. Oh, I, yeah. I watched a video where they said it right. And actually the way that um, Zero says it in the game, if you just listen to that, it's like, it's not how you think it's pronounced. Yeah, but it's yeah. something like Snover that. Snover stars, whatever. Yeah. It, it's Soviet jungles. Yeah, re- remote territory of the Soviet Union, rainforest jungle, uh, inserted via the world's first Halo jump, if you can believe it or not. Yeah, and the very beginning open cinematic is that with Snake doing that thing where he's like smoking his cigar and yeah, the guy's like, like, put that out. out. And Zero's like, come mask. on, are you, what are you doing? And yeah, so uh, the Halo jump, uh, one of the James Bond films featured it, I know, but it's basically like a almost subspace... I can act, I actually know the acronym. Okay, go for it. It is high altitude, low opening. Yeah. Meaning you jump from the highest point possible, and right before you die, uh, you pull out your parachute <laughs> and land so low that the enemy cannot see exactly. like you landing. It's badass, but also scary. I would assume. Especially if you're the first one doing it. Yeah, but this is this is the boss, the big boss. Yeah. Well, not oh, yet. He's not big boss yet. This is Naked Snake we're talking about. Young, impressionable CIA agent, Naked Snake. <laughs> and he is going in to eat snakes because they may... There's also, right at the beginning of the game, Zero tells you you're, you're going to have to eat a snake, possibly. That's true. yeah. And we find out that Snake is a, has a aversion to snakes, <laughs> which oh, is cute. This is disgusting. Yes, he does not like snakes. So he's not... He's going to try to find something else. Like, perhaps a nice box of calorie, mate. We'll get to that later. So... After you land, um, as we as I said in the opening, you're tasked with finding this uh, scientist Sokolov, who is creating this uh, bipedal tank. I don't really know. I don't remember how much they know about it's it. It's not that point. bipedal yet. It isn't yet, but it will be it, one day. One day when um, Huey gets his hands on true, the gun. True. True. Good point. I didn't think about that. So I'll have to edit that or something in the beginning. Yeah. It's not a bipedal yet. Yet. But. Uh, the Shagohod. So it's not Shagohod. Ac- it's not actually Metal Gear yet, but it's Metal Gear. It's, it's like the prototype. Prototype. Yeah. An ancestor, you could say. Not a Sahelanthropist, yes. but Correct. some early ancestor of Correct. the Sahelanthropist. Um, and so uh, I don't remember exactly how much they even know about it at this point, if, or if that it's just a weapon that he's been developing. Correct. Uh, Stepanovich Sokolov, as he's known mm. as... Um, he was working on the uh, Russian like space program with like the Stoyo rockets or mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Not names not coming to my head, but um, after that, he for some reason he switched over to weapon design, and then shortly after that, he like asked Zero or you know the Americans to help mm-hmm. him exfiltrate out of Soviet territory and his family because he was afraid of what he had created. Right, and. Was he at this? So at this point, it had nothing to do with Volgan yet, though, right? Correct. He, okay. Volgan was not so, in the picture. So, so yeah. So he's defecting, and Snake is going to in, help him escape, yeah. essentially, um, or you rather, the player. Yes. For that is your job, as you take control of Snake in the jungles. And uh, right away, I don't want to jump too much into gameplay yet, but right away, you find out that this is a different 
Metal Gear Solid game, especially if you think you're playing Metal Gear Solid 3, but you're actually playing Metal Gear Solid 3 Subsistence. Because then you're playing a totally different game. And a lot of people I know who have played this game never actually played PlayStation 2 Metal Gear Solid Sneak Eater. They played Subsistence. Subsistence with the new camera. So why don't we talk a little bit about the controls of this? Right right as you're you're dropped in, you find out that the controls are a little bit weird. So I remember both versions of the game. I remember my friend had subsistence, but I haven't seen the two games side by side to like compare the mm. camera and control scheme. So this Metal Gear is a bit different from its predecessors. While you can kind of zoom it out and kind of have like a fixed panning camera, for the most part, this is a third person third person, person. Uh, <laughs> tactical stealth action game. Yes. Basically the same camera they had in the first two Metal Gear Solid games, where it's kind of a almost almost like a movable Resident Evil camera yeah, that's yeah. sort of right above your head and not quite helpful in any way. But this time you can move it behind right. your character. And um, also this time you're in a much wider open space with guards who can see miles and miles away from themselves and, and catch you seemingly when you think you're completely It's like stealthy. the first Far Cry game. Yes. It definitely dropped you into a totally new world. Now, even a few years ago, I, I replayed it, um, which I think the DS release had a, had a camera change to it, too. There was a DS version There's of Snake Eater? There's a 3DS version oh of Snake God. Eater. Yes. I need to find that. It, it's probably pretty cheap to find, and it's it's okay. It's a little bit tough with the with the 3DS controls, but... Um, and I think it might have even used a little bit of that, like, the motion, no, the motion controls oh. for aiming. Oh, you didn't no. have to, but then you had to hold still if you didn't want yeah. to, or you'd be, like, you'd like be aiming. aiming. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you're, you're, like I said, you're in a much more open, uh, you're in a jungle environment. So while there are buildings, most of them are open air buildings, and uh, you're not real. there aren't too many points in the game, at least early on, where you're, not outside essentially i mean you're still still linear and you're entrapped in an area but you, it's a much more open area than the, than the first two games had correct it is towards the probably a second half of the game where you run into a more like urban kind of industrial mm -hmm. area right but for the most part the game is in the outside right so on this uh virtual i'm sorry virtuous mission virtual mission no that snake has been sent on he also ends up, and I don't really, you're going to have to go over this a little bit better. I don't even remember how it happens, but he runs into, uh, I guess you could say an old friend out here, and probably the catalyst for the whole series, the boss. Correct. The one, so, the only. Yes, yeah, so why don't we go into a little bit about her and the uh, her so-called Cobra unit. Oh boy. Yeah, we got some information on them. They were a uh, World War II unit that... Uh, is now, well, why don't you take it away? You've got so, the info. the boss and the Cobra unit, it is said that they were probably the main reason why the Allies won World War II, or at least that's what Zero implies. He worked with her in, like, the SAS, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's the boss who led us to victory in World War II. Right. Which I would love to see that if a Kojima ever gets his hands back on yeah, it. Really. I, w but, I would um, enjoy that game as oh, well. Yeah. So the Cobra unit, made up of... Well, five members in the boss, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so there's the boss, who is known as the Joy. Uh, just saying this, all the members are named after emotions. The emotions they carry into battle. Yes. We'll go over that later. Yes. So the boss is the Joy. There is the fear, the pain, the sorrow, the end, and the fury. Exactly. That's Cobra Unit. 
and they are, you know, special ops unit, which were, have, it seems like from the way they're described in the games, they were tasked with, like, like she, like, killed Hitler or, or yeah, something, something like, like yeah, that. They were tasked with, like, big time operations. And kind of go into them a little bit more. They also are um, sort of precursor in a way, I guess, to, like, the Genome Project soldiers and stuff. They all have different abilities, I guess. Yeah, you could each say. one of them has their own little quirk that they bring into yeah. uh, the the battlefront. Right, but they're kind of like a proto foxhound almost. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, def. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and felt at least to me a lot more like foxhound than uh the the big shell terrorists did. Yeah. What did they have an organization name or are they just the big shell? Uh, terrorists? I think they were called. Yeah. I just that's what I always called them. Yeah. They did have a name. I'm pretty sure. I will. We'll we'll get to that when we get to two. So the Cobra unit is also here in this jungle. They are also looking for Dr. Sokolov. And it seems like, if I remember correctly, they have also been sent before what we're about to get to. They have also been sent by the government in some capacity to finish this mission. It's so important, right? Before we run to the boss, after you rescue Sokolov... We run into oh yes. the best one yes. of the best reoccurring You're characters right. in the series, uh, Revolver Ocelot, or mm -hmm. as as he's known now as Adamska. Yes, Adam. Uh, Adam. Um, that's true. I totally forgot about that. So yes, you get Sokolov, and then it's exactly after, and uh, you're ambushed by like yes. a uh, yeah. not Spetsnaz because I think that's what uh, Ocelot is. Mm -hmm. You're ambushed by these Russian guards, and all of a sudden, just as like you're surrounded, and it looks like he's, they're going to get you striding up like a badass in his cowboy boots, but in a Russian uniform, yeah. <laughs> comes Ocelot, you know, talking a big game, like, oh, like, you know, give him to me and I'll let you all live. Right. And it's like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. You, you're from the Ocelot unit. You, you're from the Ocelot unit. Yeah. It's like, I am Ocelot. Exactly. And then... Um, and he does a little twirly gun show before eliminating pretty much all of them. Including one who was on top of the roof with a sick ricochet yes. shot. Yes. Yeah. Here you learn that he's a master marksman mm -hmm. already. But he is not revolver yet. Not because yet. he does not have a revolver. He has a small pistol. Yeah, it's like one of those Russian officer pistols, yes. like a small nine count. Mm -hmm. But he's using revolver techniques. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I believe the, the name of that other unit you're thinking of is the GRU, right? Yes, GRU. So the GRU is how the Russians say KGB. Right. Same same outfit, just exactly. a different way. Just exactly. like how the USSR is the CCCP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is, now, is this the point where Snake like beats him up? Yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah, so, so Snake does a little CQC, which... But, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Before Snake beats him up in CQC, um, after Ocelot takes out the non-Spetsnaz uh, guards, he summons his unit with his signature call. Which is... Which I'm wow. sure... Yeah, you'll, you'll splice that <laughs> yeah, in, I'm I sure. Will. I will put right here... <laughs> that was the Ocelot. That's, what the, that's the noise he made <laughs> in that scene. I guess it's the sound Ocelots yeah. make. When I was like a teenager or whatever, I first played the game, I, I was like, what is going on with these games? And I didn't quite get it. We'll get into this a lot more later, especially once we introduce, uh, I'm going to call her Big Mama, Ava. Yeah. Um, this game is really campy. Oh, yeah. So just it keep that in mind. as campy as a Bond film, yes, which it, is what makes it great. Exactly. It feels a lot like a Bond film in a lot of it. In fact, so. one could say this is the best non-James Bond, James Bond game. Yeah. Yeah, I would same, say so. Same thing with the main theme, Snake Eater. Yeah, best non-James Bond, James Bond soundtrack. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, 
So at, now after after he does that, you he take, summons his unit. He summons his unit, which you take so then them surrounds out. you. And six scene where Snake yep. just systematically goes through each and every one of them. And just like whoops their ass yep. with like judo or something. And well, he shows off uh, Kojima's brand new toy for this game uh, for the first time. It hasn't been, I don't think it's given the name yet, but he does, I think after when he's talking to Ocelot, he mentions CQC. Close CQC. Court. Yes, CQC. Um, and uh, <laughs> a dud. <laughs> um, so he, uh, which is close quarters combat, like I said, and he uh, beats, beats him pretty good. He be- oh, yeah. beats him up. Uh, and then I believe gives him his gun back in a, yeah. So what triggers this is Ocelot was like, Oh, if you're no abuse to me, you'll die. And he assumingly ejects a bullet from his pistol, puts in a fresh one in the chamber and then tries to shoot him. Yeah. And the gun jams. Exactly. And then he gets his ass kicked and snakes like, Oh, that's a nice move. But trying out a a technique you just learned in the heat of battle is a bad idea. You're just asking for your gun to jam. Exactly. And then he gets up, tries to fight him again. Snakes whoop his ass again, and they says, "You're pretty good. You're pretty good." And Which then, is the first thing that yeah. Revolver Ocelot says to you in Metal Gear Solid One. But Correct. we'll get to that one yeah. day. Um, yes. So you kick his ass in a cutscene as well, which is kind of sad. It's but a hey, cutscene. Yeah, it's a good. It's a great cutscene. And uh, and and make your way off with Sokolov. And like I said earlier, this is around the time. Uh, where you run into the boss on a very like set piece bridge. Yes, it's set bridge the, is old, very the old rickety bridge yeah. over the ravine. Uh, and at first, Snake isn't quite sure what's going on, and then it becomes clear that she's there with the, this man, Colonel Volgan, Lightning Bolt or Light- Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Yep. Yeah, like Thunderbolt Ross, who is a I forget his rank, Colonel. Uh, Colonel Volgan yeah. of the Brezhnev, Brezhnev faction. Yep. They're a rogue military faction of the Russian, uh, I guess, people's army. Right, against Khrushchev. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. They um, want to yes, provoke n- nuclear war. Right, war. and this was all part, yes, named after Leonid Brezhnev, who was a, a politician huh. at the time. So it was his movement against Khrushchev. And I believe he became premier after Khrushchev. Okay. I'll have to look that up, but... He was general secretary from 1964 to 1982. Important to know that it's very confusing for Snake to see the boss here because um, as far as Snake, Zero, and everyone else involved in the mission knew, um, the boss was said to have been in a submarine around the yeah. Arctic Circle. So seeing her here, like, only a few moments after she said she was in that submarine is, is very it's confusing. Shocking. It's yes. shocking. And uh, she then teaches you a lesson in, in getting your yeah. whip, ass whipped by CQC. It's, it, it is a smackdown for the ages. Yes. I'm sure you can splice in some like of the bone-breaking yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Your ass. Definitely. And uh, she flips your ass right off the bridge and to your supposed death. death yes. Um, I think she knew you'd survive, though. Yeah, I have a feeling. Because, they, well, and we'll get into this more when eventually we get to the ending of the game. Yeah. There's a lot about the boss that is you can look back on and question what her actual motive was from the very beginning. And what her actual mission was. What's your loyalty? To me... 
the country. Yep. But an uh, important thing to know, before she whoops your ass, um, she is carrying two very heavy cases. Well, when she's carrying them, they don't look heavy. But as soon as she drops them on the bridge, everyone loses their footing. Right. And it is her gift to, to Colonel Volgan. It is two miniaturized nuclear mm-hmm. warheads and a Davy Crockett portable, like, recoilless rifle yep. nuke delivery system or something. Yep. Where, so Vulcan. basically he can just, like, shoot it where he wants. Yeah, if sense. you've ever played the Fallout games, you'd probably recognize it being very similar to the, uh, the Fat Man, I believe yeah. it's called. Yeah, Fat Man and the Big, and the big Boy uh, yeah. nuclear launch, basically nuclear rocket launchers yeah. with mini nukes. Um, mini nuke is still a nuke. Yes. And you can still detonate it, you just want to get away before you do, but with the Fat Man, you can shoot it at people from far away. Yeah. Um, Yes, and so, yes, gives him essentially a nuclear gun, <laughs> which is the best way to yeah, put it. more or less. You know, um, and, uh, okay, so at this point, do we don't know about, when do we, I think we should get into this in this episode, but when do we learn about the philosophers, the legacy, and his connection? So I believe the philosophers are revealed later in the in Act 2, uh, Operation Snake Eater, mm-hmm. when you run, it's either you run into Sokolov again, or you run into one of his partners that help him design it. Okay. He's, he's the one that's, like, drunk, and then I think he, like, dies oh, of, yeah. like, some mysterious thing Yeah, afterward. yeah. Um, but he's the one who starts talking about the philosophers and the patriots right. and, you know, all the events kind of leading up to this behind the scenes. Right, right. But so I think we can get into that right now. Um as a kind of to talk about like Volgan and what's going on before we get into the finale of the virtuous mission um, and kind of what leads to the snake eater mission. Um, So the philosophers were basically the way I would put it, you could probably explain this better the way I would put it. They were a bunch of rich people from like the United States, China and the Soviet union who were possibly politicians, but like nobody really knows who was who in there. Just people, lots of money who put together a fund of uh, $200 billion. It's a lot of money yeah. at the time, too. Yeah, it might have only been $100 billion, but only $100 billion. Well, once you modernize it, it's probably like maybe like $1,000. Right, right. And this was uh, called the Philosopher's Legacy. And then this was stored on data disks that had links to like banks around the world and stuff. Um, so Volgin's dad was, was a, member, a philosopher. Yeah. Yes. And he, as you find out later in the events prior to the game, has stolen this data disk. Or part of it, I think. Part of it, yeah. yeah. You need, like, multiple copies right, or right. multiple keys to unlock the legacy. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Goldeneye with yeah. the two keys. <laughs> um, but so they, uh, and so his, the dad, Volgan Sr., yeah. steals this part of the legacy and passes it down to his son. So now Volgan is all his actual goal is to put these two together and get the hundred billion dollars and like and, create like a world dominating army right with the Shagahad exactly. So uh, as Snake falls and lands in the water and is presumed dead, yes, uh, and you think that that's the worst possible thing he nope. could go through today. Nope, you were wrong. It gets worse. Yes, because uh, as Volgan's helicoptering away with the Shagohan, with there's the like Shagohan. a convoy of helicopters mm-hmm. carrying this giant. It's fucking sick. It, it's like it's got like 
these weird like drill crawlers in the front it's not like a tread tank yeah it's it like, almost is more like a tank than any of the others are yeah i remember i don't know what it's called but i've seen some like old soviet like bog tanks or whatever yeah, yeah. and they travel with drills i see so it's okay. like better than a tread or something right, but it's right. like part that part like surface to air missile launcher yeah so it's like this weird like it's almost like a like an 18 wheeler truck but the yeah. front of it's a, a tank with spiral wheels and the back is like an IBC ICBM launcher. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's big. It's huge, yeah. So as they're uh and as they're ferrying it away, uh Vulcan takes his nuclear gun that the boss gave him and just fucking drops a shell. Much to um Adamska's or Ocelot's yes. dismay, he's like, What are you doing? Yeah. These men are our comrades. You can't exactly. just nuke your own people. And Vulcan's like, Fuck you, I'm gonna do Watch this. Me. Yeah, basically. And covers up his tracks with a which I gotta say, might be the worst way to cover your tracks. It's the most indiscreet way of covering yeah, up your own right. tracks. Like, like, they'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they'll never know where the fuck it's it is. It's like robbing a building and then setting it on fire. Right, right. It's like, you know, nobody's going to go there to check yeah. it out. Like, ah, it was just a nuclear bomb. Who cares? <laughs> no one's going to check it out because the area's irradiated for the right. next, like, hundred years. You know, but I'm sure, that, I mean, they have hazmat suits. Somebody yeah. could, they could at least be like, hey, I see some soldiers, <laughs> some Russian soldiers' bodies down there. Some shit. I don't know. Anyway, and so, so the, mis yeah, the mission failed. Yeah, the boss the, escapes with Sokolov. The game is over. <laughs> Seemingly, the game's Seemingly, over. Snake yes. is. Oh yeah. So Snake's day is not over yet. Um, as this is happening, Snake washes up on a uh, shore down in this ravine. Mm -hmm. His multiple lacerations, broken bones. Uh, Zero's calling him like, "Yo, Snake, like." forget about the boss first of all like you're you're knackered we yeah. need to get you back into shape and this introduces us to the oh, yes. first aid mechanic of the game paramedic paramedic yes with the with the greatest name in medic history yeah, like a like a medic who parachutes right. down to you well it's also i just want to bring up real quick before you get into that because it i feel like that must be i mean that is a code name yeah um and they talked so much about the code names at the beginning, when he gives him the code name, and he's like, "What will I'll be called? Major Zero and Major like, Tom." He starts Major out Tom, as Major you're Tom. right, you're right, Major Tom. And he changes it for Snake Eater. True, um, but so yes, Major Tom and and Naked Snake, and then they just they just they, that's when they ran out of ideas, and they're yeah. like, "Uh, paramedic, you're paramedic," yeah. but he's like, like, "That's literally paramedic." What do you mean? Oh, I'm like, it's like a medic who parachutes down to you. Like, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie King Kong Snake? Oh, also, I wanted to mention this. Um, the shells, too, were, they're called Davy Crockett shells. Yeah. Just want to mention yeah, that. Yeah, they're called like, the Davy Crockett, like, portable, like, ballistic, like, yep. nuke system or I, something. I believe they're based on something that was real somewhat. I believe you're right. I believe that during the Cold War, they did mass produce these. Um, but just the logistics of men firing portable nukes. Didn't make any sense. Didn't make any yep. sense. I mean, and maybe during global nuclear war, it would. Yeah. <laughs> but in order to stop nuclear war from happening, no one was to use nuclear weapons. Right. Exactly. Which we will get into when we talk about the phantom pain much longer oh, yes. down the line. Actually, the way, not that much longer down the line. By the way, we forgot to mention this play, This virtuous mission takes place um, probably earlier in August 1964. Yes. Operation Snake Eater takes place August 30th. Correct. Which was yesterday or so today. Was, yes. So it was the yesterday was the anniversary of when Snake went to attempt to save the world. But... 
We're not getting to that yet. Not yet. Quite yet. But we will give we'll give a little uh, overview of kind of what happens in between that leads us into Snake Eater before we actually get our boots on the ground, I guess you could say. Once more. Yes. <laughs> Once more. This team this time via like drone insertion. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was super cool that they started off the game like this. Uh because it this I have this theory about this game that I didn't come up with. I just share it with somebody else who came up with it and I heard it. That Kojima made this game as a apology to the fans an apology slash a bit of a fuck you at the same time to the fans who didn't like Metal Gear Solid 2. And the fact that it starts out with a very similar like opening mission where Snake quote unquote dies. Yeah. But it's so much better done and so much more beloved by the fans. I've be- definitely felt like this was like him trying to redo a little bit of what he had done plot wise in the last game and just do it in a way that the fans wanted. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think the fans were too happy that they had to play as uh, David Bowie. No. <laughs> no. I'm I'm fairly sure that was his intention. Didn't he like want an androgynous like yeah. David Bowie-esque main like protagonist? It's kind of what he went for. Uh, Hence all the okay. David Bowie references. I don't want to get yes. Games. I don't want to get too far into this with Metal Gear Solid 2 cuz we'll get into it when we get there, we'll get into but it. he wanted to make Raiden be a um be like I I think it was literally there Kojima sitting in a room being like I want a dumb, skinny, nerdy, scrawny boy girl that is a huge it's basically me making fun of the the people who play these games like i want someone who's like not snake you know and yeah he's a pretty boy or whatever but he's not like snake is a masculine character raiden wasn't and i think that pissed off a lot of fans who wanted to be the masculine guy and it's like no now you gotta play as this like more androgynous character that has way more faults and way more like shit going on in his head. But there's a lot more to Raiden than one would think playing oh, to yeah. near the end. Oh yes. Not but, as all what they seem. But thank God Raiden's not in this game. Actually his ancestor may, <laughs> You're might right. be in this game. You're right. Uh what was it like Colonel not it's not Colonel, it's like Major like Rydenovich mm-hmm. or something. Rydenovich. Volgan's lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which to me was like, okay, Kojima, we get it. Complete <laughs> with like a lightning bolt, like man thong. Yes, yes. Yes, I do believe it is Rydenovich, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And Volgan can, um, knows him by touch, let's just say. He can tell yeah. if someone's pretending to be Rydenovich. Exactly. By a friendly grab to the crotch. Yes, that's, again, <laughs> something we will re-mention later, and that will come into context. It's fantastic. It is very good. Um... So, uh, now we will we'll wheel back around. So Snake is bleeding, dying, lying like on the ground, broken. broken, getting calls, and the nuke just went off, and what was the last thing you said? He's kind of caught in a blast, but not like, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert on nukes or anything, but... He's like in the vicinity. He's in the vicinity, it. which I'm pretty sure would give you a good wash of radiation but then right. again so was the boss the boss was rendered sterile because she was like tested on with like nuclear weapons right exactly we'll get into that later <laughs> we're gonna say that a lot in this yeah. first episode because there's so much that we're just gonna this is the tip uh, of the iceberg yes exactly um and so how the heck are they gonna get snake out of this predicament well they're gonna do it with the time tested and series approved yes 
Well, well now, now, but um, the what is it? The the surface to air like Fulton yes, recovery the device. Fulton recovery yeah. device or recovery system, depending yes, the on Fulton recovery system. But um, which I think it's funny that Snake got like shot down to Earth and now is getting shot back up in the air as he leaves quite rapidly. Yes, if you've seen the movie The Dark Knight, which I'm assuming most people have, yeah. this is how Batman gets out of China. With that guy, he blows out the window, yep. does the balloon, Alfred swoops down in a plane, and just yanks him away. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the... It's almost like a reverse parachute. Yeah, you're um, right. It is a reverse parachute. Right. And and so in... Again, I don't want... a great way to get whiplash. Right. And now this has become, especially since the games, uh, the PSP games and... Uh, like Peace Walker and Phantom yeah, Pain. Peace, uh, Peace Walker and Portable Ops and then Ground Zeroes and Phantom Pain. Was the Fulton device in Portable Ops? Ooh, you, yeah, I thought so because thought you had like to you kidnap them and bring them back to like oh, your maybe like, you're brainwashing right. truck. Yeah, maybe you're. I think you're right. It wasn't in Portable. It was in Peace Walker though. Yeah. And uh, then of course in Five, um, and in Five it really became, and I mean well, all three of those games it really became a major part of the series. It was like a Swiss Army knife almost. Right. Like it was like oh like what do I do in this situation? Just fulton it away. And right. It's gone. Exactly. Yeah, they got a mortar, fulton it. <laughs> You got a guy, Fulton. Don't him. want this troop to wake up or them to find the body, Fulton the body. Exactly. Um, and so this is really, it's not used a whole ton in in this game. I believe it's only used it once in this yes, game I'm in the beginning. pretty sure. You don't, yeah, you don't get it as an item, I know. I don't, I can't think of another moment where it's used or mentioned. So, but it is the first time that we see it in, this, in the series. In the series, yes. And so Snake gets whooped up back into the plane. And then washed to the opening sequence with the, uh, the very talented Donna Burke sings us uh, Snake Eater. Yes, a fantastic song, which fantastic I singer. already played. Yes, a fantastic yeah. singer as well. I already played a little clip of it, but I'll run some of it in right here too. And you get kind of a feel. It's like we said earlier. It's very James Bondy. Even the visuals during the scene. It's mm-hmm. like a, you have less, like, you know, like snake skeleton, like slithering throughout yep. like the segments. Um, you know, various like geography, like geography right, right. and graphics happening. Right. It, it, it's, it, it's James it, Bond. Yes, it feels like those sort of psychedelic meets Art Nouveau type stuff, and from yeah. like especially sixties and seventies. Like with Bond newspaper films. clippings, like oh, Cold War is you know coming. Soon, right. You know, right. Like, exactly. Cuban Missile Crisis. Yup. Yup. And that, okay, so we can talk a little bit about that too. This this game series likes to do what I guess you could also, I mean, you could call it a Metal Gear Solid because they kind of did it first, yeah. but I know other franchises have done it. It's kind of an Assassin's Creed thing where... It's like Assassin's Creed meets like geopolitical right. intrigue. Whereas like in Assassin's Creed, you walk into a building and you're like, oh, hey, Leonardo yeah. da Vinci oh, and hello. Machiavelli and... Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles, and like it's just yeah. like all these yeah. people from history. It's like, oh well, look, it's Ben Franklin and Davy Crockett. We're all hanging out in the yeah. same room. And that being said, at the end of Assassin's Creed Two, where you fight the Pope, like in hand to hand, yes, bet like one of the best moments in gaming history. And that was Cesare, right? Cesare, the Pope Cesare. Pope Cesare. That was that was the the um, 
the Borgias, right? Yes, yeah. yes. I think the Borgias were the enemy yeah. in that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that was. I can't remember if it was Cesare or if it was the dad, but regardless. But so anyway, back to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, better. The games like to use uh, historical people or historical events more often as backdrop for what's going on. So yes, this game, as we said, takes place in 1964. So it is right in the height of some of the worst years of the Cold War. Yeah. And like you just mentioned, Kennedy the Cuban recently, but Yeah, there's Missile Miss. Kennedy was just assassinated. Mm-hmm. Lyndon B. Johnson's taken over. I think it was Lyndon B. Johnson who took mm-hmm. over after Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And he's talking, you know, uh, Khrushchev, you know, trying yep. to... Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. His conversation Viet- with Khrushchev. Vietnam, Vietnam is in full happened. swing. Um, so, like I said at the very beginning, the world is in turmoil. And nuclear annihilation seems to be... Something that is very, very, very possible. Who watches the Watchmen? Right. So, Snake comes home, so to speak, uh, for a very brief period. About like a week or two, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. And uh, is quickly told he's got to go back out. Yeah, he, him and Zero are basically treated as like enemies of the state because they essentially are believed to be accomplices to the boss's defection. Right. And possibly sparking an event that could cause nuclear war between the East and West. Exactly. Yeah, because they see... The nuclear device go off. The Russians are like, yo, we were nuked here. There was, you know, snakes playing with Major Zero in our airspace at this Mm -hmm. time. Like, Mr. President, like, what's going on here? It's like, the United States was not involved in this incident. And I believe, even though it's... I think it's pretty clear in the scene before the boss kicks Snake's ass... I believe this is when it is like a hundred percent. She has defected. She's yes. open. We know she's she, defected. She tells Snake right. she's defected. She's tells Snake true, but he, it is reminded to him like she is on their side yeah. now, and uh, so they want this guy. And I always, as I mean, you suspend your disbelief for video game stories. So they have the top unit, maybe in the world. And possibly the greatest soldier who has ever lived. And they're sending in... I mean, I guess I get it. They're sending in the guy she trained. Oh, maybe you learned something from the student beats the teacher. The the, the guy who just got his ass kicked by her and almost died. They're like, well, if we try it again, you'll be fine this time, Snake. You'll get her around too, Snake. So they want Snake to go back. Back to the same place that was just nuked. And do we have any, like, I, I believe there's a bit of a briefing here from yes, Zero. Yes, this is like the second hour-long cutscene of the yes. game that happens. This is a, this is, this is going to be a major kind of thing that happens throughout most Metal Gear Solid games. Yes. Excuse me. Hour-long cutscenes. Hour-long cutscenes <laughs> back-to-back, more or less. And I mean, most, if, most of them are really good. Most of them. Most of them up until 4. 4 has the longest one, I believe, and it's the worst one. Four, other than the last cutscene. 4 has a special place in my heart. Yeah, four, oh no, four me too. 4 was full of, like, just but weird stuff. It has but. this one cutscene, like, not the final one, which is, like, literally an hour and a half, but... Is, is it the one where they go to, like, uh, Eastern Europe? Like, yes, Prague or something? Yes, yeah. the one right before that. And that, including... Then you playing for like five minutes and then going and talking to Big Mama for 45 yeah. minutes. But the one before that is so goddamn long that you could just literally leave and come back and the game will be paused. You know, I've said this to my, my friend J-Lo, um, but um, I feel like if Kojima didn't make games, he'd want to be... A filmmaker? Kojima has always wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I'm just going to say this, just plain out. This isn't a guess, this is just fact. Kojima wants to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. 
And even like I read, you know, so some interview with him where he was talking about how like when he first got to Konami, people like bullied him and stuff because he didn't have technical ability. That wasn't what he brought to the table. He didn't know how to program the games, but he knew how to write a story. Yes, but not and and how to make how to make a game, not the intricacies of the technology, but how the game, what it should have, what it shouldn't have, and how it should play out. So even just aside from story, the, like I feel like a lot of the stuff that he brought to gaming in these games is is super super important and and has really changed the face of gaming. Oh, yeah. And he was one, you, he's like one of the main pioneers in just game storytelling right. as we know it. And that's because he wasn't a guy who was sitting there like doing it. He was like, oh, you guys yeah. go do this he and bring was, it back to me and then be like, no, that's not what I wanted. Directed by Hideo Kojima. Exactly. And so um, the uh, they employ, I think he employs a lot of like standard cinematic tricks in what he's doing. Especially in 5. Yeah, yeah. Um and so at the I think the long cut scenes they work if you're down for it. I do think though what he did in 5 with turning a lot of cutscenes into tapes, I didn't was, like that. I liked it. Like I I didn't like it, but I also I liked how a lot of there was there was a lot of backstory and stuff you could mm. listen to if you wanted, but I as a Metal Gear fan, you know, I need my hour long cutscenes. Yeah, true, true. It's part No, of the I game. get that. I yeah. get that. I just, I, the thing I think I did like about it was that how you could essentially be still playing the game. And listening to it at the Right, same time. so it kind of felt like, it was like you get your tape, you go to set your mission up, yeah. and you turn it on as you're coming down in the helicopter, and as you're getting ready, and by the time you reach the place, you're, you're done with the yeah. briefing. Yeah, And then you and can play whatever song you want on your radio, exactly. like Snake Eater or A Phantom Pain. Exactly. But I did... Super miss though the the one thing I say super miss was the classic codec screen that yeah. pops up and, you, and fighting bosses, right. which they changed in this game from what they had done in one and two. Oh yeah, the codec was a bit different. Yeah, the codec is has like background. You can kind of some. I believe you see Snake. Like, yeah, in the background when he uses codec, he like crouches down on one knee, and you can kind of like see him mm -hmm. like make. Kind of yeah, he goes like, he like pantomimes around. and stuff. Yeah, and like sometimes he you know like does movements, but you can right. see him in the background of the codex screen. Right. So and it has the other person like up in the corner, you know, talking like yeah. very similar to how it was with like the three D green sort of green and black sort of thing as uh, in two. But um, I think the thing I like the most about it is that for the first time, it actually sounded good. Yeah, it sounded more like a radio. Yeah, it was like a clear voice, yeah. not like like I'm talking through a telephone and press I, the action button to do this thing. Right. Well, what action button? <laughs> press triangle to use the ladder. Thanks. Triangle. <laughs> triangle. <laughs> um, so they he starts to brief you a little bit more on like what's actually been going on, um, and I think this is. When you start to learn a little bit more about Volgan, maybe not the philosophers yet, like you said earlier, but a little bit about what's going on, and uh, yeah, the major kind of briefs you about what's been going on for the past week as you've been recovering, right, in the hospital slash prison because you almost sparked like a hot war right. instead of a cold one. And I believe you also. It becomes clear that the boss has a price on her head now. Now, if I'm not mistaken, um, he has 
multiple sets of mission parameters uh, yep. boss does. So there's what the CIA wants him to do, and then there's what Khrushchev wants him to do. Correct. So what the CIA wants him to do is recover Sokolov and, you know, the plans for Shagahad or whatever. Um, I think as far as we know, that's what they know. But the KGB, it's like, yo, like, you've got to kill the boss. Yep. Or we'll be upset if you don't. Exactly. And in a sense, she is being blamed for what Vulcan did. Correct. She is going to be the fall guy to stop the nuclear war. So instead of saying a Russian uh, you know, colonel yeah. launched a nuclear weapon in his own country, or an American operative of the CIA did it for the Americans. It's yeah. a rogue operative did it, so it's not us, and it would be enough to keep the Soviets yeah, yeah from, from starting a nuclear war. They'd be like, okay, well, it wasn't you guys... Who did this? So it's at this moment that Snake is trying to like mentally grasp that he has to kill his like mentor. And he's right. like, I don't know if I can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think at this point, we're, we're ready to go back into the jungle. Yeah. And so... This time, like over, what is it, like a Lockheed Blackbird that's like flying over the Arctic yeah, Circle? Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, you know, we did it. We did a really weird one last time, Snake, but now we're going to be we're going to do an even weirder way of getting in this time. It's like, could can we just drive? No. no. We, we called the X-Men and borrowed their X-plane. Yes, we got the Quinjet <laughs> from Professor Xavier. That's right. He's a young Professor Xavier. He still has hair. He's played by that James whatever's McAvoy. Or James McAvoy. Yes. I did like first class. It wasn't too Yeah, bad. it was a pretty good movie. But so um why don't you, you we, so exactly, I don't really remember exactly what happened here because the halo jump is so yes. iconic. I always forget this part. So but. it's kind of a parallel to Metal Gear Solid 1 where, you know, it's like the Arctic Circle and mm -hmm. you're being delivered in. But this time you're in like high altitude. Um, you're on like a smaller drone craft attached to like right. a Blackbird. And, you know, you're traveling so fast. The, like Russian jets see you. They try to catch up, but this plane's way too fast. Exactly. And um, then... <coughs> They something happens. The pilot launch, launches. Right, you the, get like shot out of like a torpedo. Essentially, you get shot like an air torpedo. Yep. Similar to how he was kind of shot out like a torpedo in Metal Gear Solid One. Yes, where he was literally was shot out yep. of the torpedo <laughs> in, in, a tor in a submarine. Into yes. Shadow Moses. Yep. And uh, so then he, you go flying down fly back into Sjarnovich uh, yep. or Sjarnolga. And now. Now, though, you're a battle-hardened yeah. snake. One you, week later. Yes, one week later. You you have seen the jungle. Your broken arm's calcified over, so it's yep. even stronger than yep. before and hard to break. And this is where the game actually kind of really starts. But before it starts, you run into the boss once more. That's true. After you bail out of your uh, little jet thing. Yep. So you bail out, and then... You know, crash through a couple tree branches, yep, yep. tumble like five times, and then like land in the same position you landed in the Virtuous Mission. Yep, so badass. And then um, you're walking through the jungle, and you hear a horse whinny, and that's by the crash site. And you see this nice white horse, you know, saying, it's like, oh, this is a nice horse, starts to pet it. All of a sudden, there's the boss in like a black, you know, like Organization 13, yep. like raincoat. <laughs> and once more, she just whoops your ass. Yep. She dismantles your gun, throws away your knife. Calls you like you're just like oh snake you little bitch like you can't hang with me and my cobra unit go home get out right, of here right 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 and uh, she took my knife exactly she takes his knife which is really tough 
for him. A dud? Yeah. And he so... He literally, di- like, disassembles Snake's gun while it's still in his hand. Yes. And, like, tosses oh, it at yeah. him. It's, and, 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 for the and, second time. This is exactly. the second time she's done this. And in another great little cutscene. Um, and so now Snake... As badass as he thought he was is now once now just, again, once again, just a little bit, yeah, just reduced, reduced to nothing by his mentor. So how is he gonna do this mission? Well, first he he uh, calls Zero and it's like, yeah, I ran to the boss. She did it again. And he's like, ah, oh, Snake, I know it must be hard, but uh, try and run into a contact. We have, oh yeah, so this time around you have two, um, like not double agents, but you have two contacts right. within uh, this op- yes, who area are of operations on the ground. Who were like two like defected CIA codebreakers? Yep. Who are now like redefecting to like help you out? Yeah. Yeah, it's confusing. It's, but it's kind they, of confusing. But they're there. And uh, wait, is that Sig- Signet? No, Signet no, okay. is Signet... Uh, is one of your radio people. Right. Right. Oh, okay. He's a weapons expert. Right. That okay. I and, couldn't remember. Like, the predecessor to the actual Signet, mm-hmm. which is like some mm-hmm. sort of weapons intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. And the beginner of something else, but we'll get into yeah. that later. Actually, he reappears later, yes. but we'll get to that. Yes, and so does Paramedic. Yes. I think once you, you get to that bridge again, you cross it, and you go to that that place that was just nuked. Right. Where you run to Oslot again, but this time you run to a mysterious uh, motorcycle woman who mm. does like a sick backflip off of Ocelot with her motorcycle. Yes. She like does a wheelie. And like in a move that would normally kill someone, but not Ocelot. drives it off yeah. of Ocelot yeah. as a backflip. Yeah, it, 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 another thing that was like so over the top, it almost definitely doesn't make sense. But hey, it's it happened, and he survived, and she yeah. survived. And he has like a tire print on yeah. his like chest oh, and face. Exactly, and also the that motorcycle is so heavy, she wouldn't have been able to do that if there was a ramp. Oh, yeah. You know, like the thing would have crushed yeah, her. Even though it was like early, like what were they like, uh, like Indian scouts? Yeah, or um. Enfields, like the British Enfield Crusader. If I ever had a motorcycle, I definitely want one of those older oh, ones. Yeah. Yeah, those oh, yeah. But so, uh, so yes, this she is... She also has a sidecar, too. She does have a sidecar. Or does she not have a sidecar? I think she does have a sidecar. She has sidecar. it at one point. Yeah. Maybe not at this point. Not maybe. But, um, and you know who that sidecar is for? Because she's about to make it abundantly clear yeah. as this game goes on. She has got the hots for Snake. Possibly. Uh, or or. she may be a double agent. (gasps) Possibly even a triple agent. Yes, or quadruple agent. But Those things do exist in the Metal Gear world. Yes, quadruple, backwards, super, yes. Extra, extra agent. So, Ava shows up, and she... Oh yeah, this is Ava, by the way. Right, right. That's who Ava is. Or we believe she's Ava. Yes. We're, we'll, we'll go with that, that later. Yeah, we'll go with the, She may not be Ava, but... The woman who we assume is Ava. Yes. And Ava... So Ava is another uh, agent now. She's one of the two agents that Zero... And at, at this point, he's now Major Zero. Right. Uh, he reveals that he chose the wrong name last time. Yep. He chose the name Tom because he had recently watched The Great Escape. Yes. Um, and he thought Tom was the name of the... The hole that the American POWs escaped out of. Right, right, was right. wrong. It was wrong. It was the one that they caught. So he changed exactly. it to Major Zero. To Zero. And uh, there's also a great... There is a Codex call where he asks him again where the name came from. And he goes in through this whole thing about SAS and how he's, his call sign used to be O. Hence Zero. Oh, and yeah, like yeah. M. And, but so... Uh, so Eva, Eva, however you say it, she she is a Russian. Yeah, there's a Dom, there's a Domska and Eva. Yes. 
So she's a Russian double agent. Correct. And then, well, we already gave it away, but Adamska's the other one, and he's... You don't know he's Ocelot yet, but from all that meowing he does, you should know, yeah. Um, It's not the the last time you hear him meow. Yeah, no, definitely not. Once more. (laughs) So Ava kind of... She's kind of a very, very important character this series, and I was toying around with whether or not we'd reveal it, but I feel like if people are listening to this, they probably already know she's Mama. She is Snake and Liquid Snake and Solidus's Snake's biological mother, mother, yes. Um, And so... That's something we'll find out later. Also, my friend was talking about there was also like a liquidus snake who may oh, have existed, but he was too unstable and basically like turned I, to clone. Yes, dude. yes, much that, like the Spider-Man clones. Yes, and and there's all. Well, they also talk about that with like the fucking liquid ocelot. But again, oh, we'll get to that way ocelot, later. Yeah. yeah, but so um, Ava is is yeah she's uh very very important to the snakes and the snake family. She's mom. Yeah, you know, you got Adam, you got Eve, yep, the yep. progenitors, even though yep. Adam's not the father. David. But he did raise one of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. David. Who, which one was David? Virgil, uh, liquid, uh, liquid Solid Snake. Oh, yeah, that was his name. Mm-hmm. And Liquid was Eli. Yep. And John. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, in, all in of them the with, like, Judeo-Christian yeah. names or something. Exactly. Um, but so Ava was, she saves you, I guess, at this point. Yeah. And uh, is, so this is before you have the shootout with Ocelot. This is before the shootout with Ocelot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess what you do, a little bit more sneaking around, and then yeah. uh, you run back into him. And now it's time for, like we said, a shootout like with a the man. Big old showdown, like yep. on this, like, gully. Mm-hmm. It's like this, there's like a huge crag between, like, the aggro crag. Yeah, yeah. Super aggro crag. And it's a bit, it's, it's, one step away from being like a shooting gallery. Yeah. It's very, it's very like different type of gameplay than you've gone through. And it also starts out with a, a great little cutscene of Ocelot doing, he shows off his new weapons. Let me show you why they call me Revolve. Yep. Because now, in after a week and maybe a half. Yeah, a week of intense revolver practice. Yes. He's also, but he's also become something different. And it's now he uses revolvers, I yeah, guess. And he's mastered. Not only can he use two revolvers, he can use three. Mm hmm. And so he gives a little demonstration. Ocelots are proud creatures, they prefer to hunt alone. Of his. Revolver trickery skills. Yeah, he displays a very intense revolver kata. Yes, and he, he flips them around. All about the place. For, <laughs> for like a solid minute. Or yeah, longer. oh, it's it's literally it's like a, a minute It's a big long. scene. Like yeah. just when you think he's finished, he just starts off like another right, sequence of right. It's it's pretty brilliant. It's like they mocapped like right. a like a stunt performer. Mm-hmm. Just and like show us your whole routine. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So this also leads us to a bit of a weird thing that we didn't really mention it, but we did sort of glaze over it earlier. Um, getting back to this idea of the virtual mission. So in this fight, you can't kill Ocelot. But you can kill Ocelot, but you're not supposed to, I guess you Correct. Say. It would be a paradox if you killed Ocelot. Yes, well, exactly. So you are told to use non-lethal. If you do not and kill him, 
a game over screen will come up. And for a lot of people, unless they're very bad at the games, they haven't come across one of these yet. It's not really a point in the game where you're, you should have died yet. There yeah. isn't a lot, you know what I mean? It's not like one of the harder sections of the game. So you wouldn't have seen that when you die, it says time paradox. Yeah. But yes, the words come up. And then they change. And they change, so slowly, yes. Like it says Ocelot, Ocelot has died, yeah. and then they change to time paradox. Snake, what have you done? You changed the future. You've created a time paradox. Which brings us to the question. Is all of this game a virtual mission? Ooh, I never thought of it yes. that way. But, I mean, just with the way Metal Gear is, like how each game is like a way to recreate the mm -hmm. events of the Virtuous Mission yep. and uh, Operation Snake Eater, you know, it, it could be like... You know, right. it may as well be like the supplemental programming right. given to like and Venom Snake. Remember the game that led into it, which, without getting too deep into it, was all about breaking the barriers between the game and the player. Metal Gear Solid 2. Yes, in Metal Gear Solid 2, you have literally game code coming through walls and, and Solid Snake simulation and VR missions and all this stuff. And fake campels. <sighs> right, like, so <laughs> could you be playing a VR mission... Maybe you're not Raiden, but yeah. you're someone like Raiden playing a VR mission of Snake's famous mission. The one that started them all. Well, it has probably happened before in the Metal Gear universe. Right? And even if it's not what he intended it to actually be, he definitely implied it with that. The time paradox thing to me is just like, why would you write that yeah. if it wasn't, at least to get people talking about, what you know, what is this? Is this a simulation? Is this reality? Whatever. But so, yes, if you kill Ocelot, the whole Metal yeah. Gear universe would be over because he he's, is very important. He's almost like the main pillar of the universe, mm -hmm. if not just like part of the main pillar. Right, right. Well, because around, maybe not around this time, but it becomes clear in this game at some point or the other that he is the boss's son. And the boss's son with her dead husband, the, the Sorrow. Sorrow who is another member of the unit, and uh, the Sorrow actually, uh, ha it's it's pretty heart-pounding yeah. moment, and uh, the Sorrow actually is killed by the boss, which will save their son. And so then the reason he's even in the game is because he comes back as a ghost. Yeah, I guess before the Sorrow had died, his special quirk was he was like some sort of clairvoyant. He yeah. could either speak or summon the souls of the dead to use in metal. Right, right. He had, yeah, which is essentially what he does. I mean, obviously we'll get into that he way more later. Blood, yeah, that's like his speciality yeah. in the unit. But also he's sort of like a communication information specialist. He was, he was kind of like the first Psycho Mantis. Right. Definitely seems like a, an attempt to have like a prototype for Psycho yeah. Mantis and, and the first child or whatever and shit. Um, but so actually, why don't we just, since we're already talking about him, why don't we just run down the unit real quick oh, here boy. and then uh because we're about done for this week's first episode here um so let's talk about yeah let's talk about this this unit that we're about to in the next episode start kicking their asses yeah welcome back boss now that all five of us are together 
It's time we go to the depths of hell itself. It's raining blood. Is he crying? All right, so the Cobra unit. As we mentioned, like, almost like the original, like, special ops team that was used in World War II. Um, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and their code names are based off of their, the emotions they carry into battle. Um, which I guess we can go into later, or perhaps... Well, we can talk a little bit about it We can talk it about now. a little bit now. I mean, I, it's been a while. I'll have to do some more research for the next podcast. Right, right. And but, we'll, um, we'll talk more in-depth about each of the characters' but backgrounds, the, yeah. as you can find, when we get to their specific boss battles. Yeah. Um, but but yes, yeah, so yeah, you have The Pain. The Pain. Uh, who is the bee guy. Yeah, so he his special ability is to use like some kind of like sonic emitter mm -hmm. to control or influence the behavior of bees. Correct. Now what this means is he can send bees at you to sting you. He can use bees to carry grenades and then drop them at you. He can summon, he can have the bees carry to him like a Tommy gun. It's either a physical Tommy gun or it's a Tommy gun made of bees that shoot out bees. I like the second one better. Yeah. <laughs> so he, let's go with that. He can influence his bees to, like, turn into, like, almost like a nano cloud of, mm -hmm. like, a Tommy gun. Yeah. And then shoot it, which at the same time shoots out bees. Yes. Which then get embedded in your skin, and you have to go into the first aid menu to, like, dig them yes. out with your knife. Yes. And we'll also talk about that a lot more, the first aid menu. Which that, that be which becomes come a lot in the fear. Yes. Yeah. Um... So, yes, you have the fear. So then, like, we have the, the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, right, the fear would the be fear the next would be one. one yes. yes, correct. He, I'm pretty sure his deal is he was, like, some sort of, like, acrobat, kind of like Yeah, a, he's the one who jumps around in the trees. Yeah, he's kind of like a nightcrawler kind of guy. He's, like, not even double-jointed, he's, like, triple-jointed. Yep. So he can, like, do that weird, like, reversed grudge crawl, mm. like, up trees and right. stuff. And, and he also has a really long tongue that he uses to scare people. Yes, and I believe he uses some sort of, like, physical camouflage. Yes. Because he, he is very hard to see. He's, he's a master of ambush uh, fighting techniques. He uses like I'm pretty sure he uses like a mini crossbow that shoots yes. that that he and he loves he loves poisons traps and ambushes and that's his whole deal right exactly and he's almost he's almost like frog like yes he's very he's like yeah. toad yeah it's toad toad is he's good, got yeah. he's got the tongue the skin, too the skin the the tongue and the skin and yeah. stuff he, he's um, very homely and also uh, you can beat him really easily if you just turn on your night vision goggles. Yes. A little, yeah, and you uh, can see him. <laughs> and drop uh, bad food. Yes, yes. Apparently, he has like eat. a very high metabolism, mm -hmm. kind of like the Flash. Mm -hmm. So he constantly needs to like eat. So if you leave out like old meat, he'll just eat. He'll and just get sick, eat and you just eat. you just yep. cap him when he's yep. vomiting. And then, so after him, we have the fear. Was it the? the th I'm sorry, I keep the doing fear. that. Oh my god, the fear. We just did the yeah, fear. Yeah, yeah. I think it's either next is the either pain, the end or and, the, fear, and then yeah. the end. Yes. I think the next is either the end or the fury, but I think you fight the fury when you're entering Grodnagrad. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So it's it's the end that you fight next. Mm -hmm. Who, so the end is an old man, like possibly the oldest man. I mean, there we'll run into another old man, Code Talker. Yeah, but this guy isn't Code Talker. <laughs> no, no, this is he might be the oldest man on the planet at this point he's yes. a legendary sniper some say he invented sniping yes 
He's like the first guy to get a sniper rifle. He also uses photosynthesis. Yes. Um, somehow, like, his quirk is that he... You know how, like, you know, snipers, you know, legendary stay in one place for, like, weeks right, on right. end, you know, peeing in bottles and stuff. Right. But he is taken at such a point that he's essentially a sloth. Yeah. Which he has, like, algae living on him. He can put himself in, like, a state of, like, suspended death. Mm-hmm. Or he's, like, he just, like, you know, like, free, not, like, freeze himself, but you know how animals can go into, like, hibernation. Right, right, right. He essentially the same hi- thing, yeah. yeah. So he he can becomes literally one with the earth. Yeah, he can become essentially, like, the winter soldier just, like, freezing himself until he needs to complete yep. a mission. Yep, exactly. And then, like, comes back to life snipes his target, and, like, disappears to the jungle. Exactly. Um, his is one of, I would say, probably one of the most famous boss battles in the whole series. Because you can skip it. Yes, because you can skip it. You can actually skip it a couple ways. Really? Yes. First of all, the most obvious way was people, if you turn your game system off for one week, or set the or date set the time forward, one week forward. one week, Reload your save, come back into the game, and the end will have died. You'll just, like, see him just, like, yep. down the ground and be like, oh, what happened to him? And he's like, oh, he must have died of old age. Yep, seriously, <laughs> died. <laughs> the other way is the first time you, you see, see him, him in the game, on a dock with the rest of the unit, you can just snipe him in his wheelchair, which eliminates the boss battle completely. Yeah. So after him, you have, we'll go to the Fury, I guess, next. I think the Fury might be my favorite. Cobra unit. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about it later when we go over his story, but I believe, and I mean, I, I kind of, you know, there's evidence of this that he might be based off of one of the first Russian cosmonauts. It makes, yeah. So we know, like, Yuri Gagarin, who was like the first famous Russian cosmonaut in space. Yep. There was a man before him who saved his life, and I forget his name. I'll say it next time we record. Right, right. But essentially, when they were testing these early Soyuz rockets, and as we know, like, Russian communism and, like, human safety don't really go hand-in-hand hand when it comes yeah. to testing stuff. So these rockets were just death traps. All the cosmonauts knew it, especially this guy. And Gagarin was going to test this rocket, but this guy was like, no. Like, if you go in that rocket, you're not coming back down. Like, you're going to die. Let me do this. You know, I'll, I'll take this one for you so you can, you know, you can go on and, you know, be the legend. Wow. Essentially, yeah. That's crazy. And he said... Make sure my funeral is an open casket so the so the Russian government will know what they've done to me. Yep. And so it even goes further than this. So pretty much everything on this mission goes wrong. He goes up, systems fail. He tries to go back down, systems fail. He, he, he even manages to get the, the craft, like, manually back into orbit and, like, almost, almost lands he it. almost survives. But he goes in too hot. The parachutes don't work. He burns up in the atmosphere. But as he's burning, he goes into, like, a blind rage. And just, like, curses out all the governments, like, the United States government, the Russian government, right. blames them for his death, like, all the world, all the that's going like wrong. Like, over the radio? Yeah, like over the radio, Ooh. he just curses out the Russian government and, like, everyone, blaming them for what's happening to that's him crazy. and, like, what's going on in the world. And then he just crashes into the earth and dies. Right. Now, or I, becomes the Fury. Or becomes the Fury, <laughs> which, in the game, if that's the story of the Fury. He was a Russian test pilot who, as he would, there was something went horribly wrong as he was entering the re-atmosphere, he was consumed in flame, and as he looked into the world, all he saw was a world just wreathed in flames, and all he felt was anger and fury. And that's why he brought that emotion God, to I battle. I fucking love the fury. And he's, so he, he's the best. Yeah, and he wears, like, a cosmonaut-like suit with a yeah. big, you know... Big jetpack. Yeah, big helmet. Roller. 
Also, the writing on his helmet is nonsense. Right. It means nothing in yep, Russian. Yep. Also, the other thing that I thought was kind of weird about that is when I first saw the man on fire. I was like, hmm, mm, what's going on before. here? Yeah, but we'll get more into but that the, way The later. outfit of the man on yes. fire is why I was like, I've seen this outfit before. Yes, exactly. And those bullets in that pattern. Exactly. But so, that brings us to the sorrow. The sorrow. Who we kind of already talked about, but we can kind of go into, well, we can kind of skip him now because yeah. we, we talked about him enough already today and we'll talk about him again He's later. He's dead by this point yes. in the game. And the boss, and the joy. The joy, yeah. Her emotion... What she brought into battle, she apparently was always happy and smiling. She likes battle. She likes killing people. Yep. She really enjoys it. Oh boy, here I go killing yeah. <laughs> And so that is that is what you are up against now as you travel further into the jungle. Looking this, Yeah, this rogue's gallery yep. of special ops people. Yep. Looking for Sokolov, looking for perhaps to get back the nuke, looking for your Mentor to kill. Looking for Vulgan to kill. Yep, and not even knowing that there is something even worse on the horizon, something even bigger that's going on behind it all. So the next episode, we will get into that Operation Snake Eater and the Philosopher's Legacy. Thanks, guys, for listening this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. We just, this is, we're kind of winging it on this yeah. one. Uh, oh, we've been looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I think we're, we're starting to get the hang of how we're going to do it. Um, so yeah, if, uh, you want to get in contact with us, we got a Facebook page, uh, Shadow Moses Island Radio. Uh, you can contact me, Kevin Harden, on Facebook if you have any questions, concerns, or if you want, uh, have any ideas or want to be on a show, we could Skype you in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's all for this week. Evan, I don't know if you, you have any, anything you want to say, anything you got to plug? Um... Well, Any other I guess, podcasts? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll thank you for reminding me. Um, you might know me, Ivor Kowski, from my friend's podcast. It is the Dork Web Podcast. Uh, recently, we have gone to Gen Con and you know, interviewed some people. Mostly, we talk about comics, gaming, media, stuff like that. It's kind of like a broad spectrum. But when my friend Kevin here was like, yo, you want to do a Metal Gear podcast? I'm like, hell yeah, yes. my guy. Yes, these... These are definitely my favorite series of games, and I know Evan would likely say the same. I, I would say the yeah, same. This is like the thought. greatest story ever told. Like, the Bible doesn't come close. Yeah. This, is, this is our Bible. This is our Bible. And it's it's full of Fultoning and, and CQC. Obscure Japanese mythology yes. references. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll see you next time on Shadow Moses Island Radio. Catch you on the battle. You're pretty good. No, it's new. Kept you waiting, huh?